Welcome to the Rock Church Podcast. This is Amanda. We're so glad you're joining us today. We are a church family that exists to love God, love people, and do something about it. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit us at rockc3.com or head over to your app store and search Rock C3 for our app. This week, Pastor Josh Finkley brings us the third week of our series called The Bigger Picture. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, Rock Church. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? It's good to see you guys. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors, and I have been gone for a couple weeks. So it is great to be back and to be with you and uh, just to hang out. I haven't preached in like three weeks, so I got, I got like a lot of energy in me, okay? So, so I'm just warning you, be ready for that uh, and, and things of that nature. But, but before I dive into a message, just a couple things I got to say. Um, one is, if you didn't notice, up at the coffee bar, uh, the Bloodmobile is here. Uh, they usually come around about once every three months. If they're still there after church, if you have time, uh, stop in. Uh, always a great way just to, to partner with our local community and help out that way, all right? So I want you to know that. Uh, The other thing I want you to know is that while I was gone, um, my wife and I, what we did is we took a trip to Mexico, okay? I know you're feeling bad for me right now. And I had a couple people say, were you like, like on a mission trip you were gone so long? Nope. All I did is put my butt in the sand and my toes in the water, okay? That's all it was. It was a little Zach Brown, me and him. I right? know. Um, but, but what we actually did while we were there, um, my wife, she loves just to sit and read. And uh, so she was sitting and reading fiction books. And, and I was spending a lot of time just doing some studying and some preparing and some sermon writing for the future. And um, spent a lot of time dreaming about uh, what's going to be going on at our church uh, next uh, semester, basically the fall and spring semester. I'm not going to tell you about that right now, but I am going to encourage you uh, that on August 3rd, we're going to start back our first Tuesdays of the month. And uh, if you don't know, the first Tuesday of the month, we basically have a night of worship at 630. That'll start back up in August. We've kind of taken the summer off. At that one, instead of normally I do a little bit of a Bible study, on that one, I'm just going to cast some vision about where we're heading in the fall and in the spring, uh, kind of based off what, what I've been doing while I was gone, all right? So so definitely want to encourage you. August 3rd, it's in two weeks. Come back and be prepared for that. It'll be a great night of worship and just time to cast some vision uh, to get us ready for the fall, all right? Now, I want to dive into this series that we're in right now. And and what I always do with the July series is I don't write it. Uh, We've got a great team that works together for our series. And for our July series, I always tell them, you guys put that together. Tell me what I'm going to be preaching because I'm typically already working on the fall. And uh, so they came to me with this idea of doing a thing called the bigger picture and kind of going through a genealogy of Matthew 1. I was like, I love it. And then they showed me the graphic. And, and I don't know about you guys or not, all right? But when I look at that graphic, all right, and I know I'm older than almost everybody here, okay? But when I look at that graphic, I can't help but think about the video game Qbert. Is this somebody with me? Roy, you're with me? You got, you got, like, like any... 
Who doesn't know what I'm talking about with Cuber? Okay, go ahead and get, like that whole section of college students right there. Like I'm out, all right, and high schooler. Um, but just go ahead and Google it right now. You can download the app. It's pretty fun. It's a good game. It was actually on the Atari. Anybody remember Ataris? Okay, now you all are my, oh, thank you. I'm good to see that. But anyway, so I can't help but think about Cubert. And he was like, I don't even know what kind of creature he was, but he bounced around. But then here's the other thing I see. Like, since we're going back to the 90s, the other thing I saw with the graphic was those stupid pictures that you just stare at forever and an image comes out. Y'all know what I'm talking about right there? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you all had one in your house? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. How many of y'all, at least this, again, we're going back to like 90s, early 2000s. How many of y'all have at least stared at one of those pictures trying to find the image? Okay, I got one more for you. How many of y'all failed to see the image? Thank you, Dalton, all right? You and my people. Like, no matter how long I would stare at one of those things, I could never do it. And people would be like, well, Josh, you gotta go like cross-sided. Well, I'd try to go cross-sided, and that didn't work. They say, no, you gotta stare at this one little point. I'd stare at that little point. That didn't work. People would say, no, you gotta zoom out and look at the, I'd, none of it. You know what I think? I think they're stupid. That's what I think about them. Thank you, Roy. You know what I mean? That's just where they're at. Like, but, but I can't help it when I look at the, our graphic. I'm just like, oh, I just see these 90s pictures or Qbert or whatever. I bring it up for this reason, though. Because when I stare at those kind of pictures, I can't see the picture inside of the picture. And this whole series is about the bigger picture. The whole series is about how do I see myself inside of the story of God? How do I see myself inside of God's picture? Like, do I have a place in it? Do I have a point in it? Do I have, um, am I I invited into it? And you might say, well, man, I, I don't know if I am or not because, well, I just wrestle with God so much. Like, how could God invite me into his story and into a relationship with him when I seem to be wrestling with him all the time? I have so many doubts and so many situations going on in my life. Well, that's what Scott talked about two weeks ago when he talked about Jacob. Or or you might say, I I can't see myself inside of the picture uh, because, man, I just got so many failures in my past. Well, that's what Clay talked about last week when he talked about Judah. And and so the one I want to bring up today, because I know others of us will say, well, there's no way that, that, that I can be part of God's story. There's no way I can be in a relationship with God. There's no way I can find myself in the picture because I've got a past. Like, I've got things in my, my past that I know are not good. i got things in my past that make me question who I am. i got things in my past that, that make me believe that God wouldn't want it to have anything to do with me. All right? And we're going to look at a story that's going to help us understand how to look at our past differently. But, but there's two basic things i got to tell you before I even get into the story. Is the first thing is, if we're going to talk about the past, the first thing we all have to understand is we all have a past. Right? You with me there? Like, like we all have a past. Like there's nobody in this room that doesn't have something in your past that you probably regret. 
that, that, that you, might, you might have a financial decision in your past that maybe you regret. Uh, you might have a relationship in your past that you regret. You might have a relationship going on right now that you regret, okay? Like, like you might have some sins that, that you've done in your past. Now you might have uh, the way you, that you talked back to your parents or you said something to a coach or, or to a teacher and you regret that. Uh, you might have an addiction that that you've allowed to come back into your life that you regret because uh, of the past. You, you might have some gossip that you've shared that you regret. Like chances are, all of us can already think of it. And if I haven't hit something that you regret yet, let me help you. How about your sixth grade haircut? Right? Anybody remember those days? I remember it was picture day and I felt like my hair was too long so I took the scissors and did this. Yeah, that was a bad decision. But anyway, we all have a past. We're all sinners. And I think too many times we'll say, well, because of my past, there's no way God could do something. Well, if that's the case, then none of us can do anything with God. And none of us can be inside of God's story. All right? So I, I want to I debunk that a little bit. And then there's another thing that I want us to deal with. is because of our past, we'll think that we're defined by it. Not, not just do I have a past, but I'm defined by my past. That because of that, well, then I can't be loved by God. Because of that, I can't be included with God. Because of that, I can't walk with God. Because of that, I can't get past my sin. Because of that, I have no value. Because of that, I'll never amount to much. That, that will allow our past to define us. And again, I want us to look at a story today that helps us understand that we all have a past, yet we don't have to be defined by our past. Instead, we can be rescued from it, and we can be redefined. That may be an easiest way for me to say it and to lock these phrases into your head, is that we can be rescued by faith, and we can be redefined by following. And that's what we see in Rahab's life. Rahab is a lady uh, that I want us to talk about today, and the reason we're going to talk about her is because she's in this genealogy of Jesus, which is where we're kind of pulling all of our, our, our material from over the course of this series. We're looking at the genealogy of Jesus, and we're just talking about different people inside his family lineage. And the one we talk about today is Rahab, and we see it in Matthew chapter 1. And, and it's just, it's interesting that she's even in there, because she doesn't, well, if anybody doesn't if anybody shouldn't be in his lineage, you would think it's Rahab. Um, one, because she's a girl. And, and nothing against ladies, but, but the lineage was not traced through the women, right? The lineage was chased through the men or traced through the men. That's how they set it up, right? Another reason you wouldn't think that you would find her in there is because she's a Gentile. That, that she is not a follower of God. She is a follower of a bunch of false gods. And in addition to that, she's a prostitute in her past, but also in her present. But let's go ahead and look at it. It's Matthew uh, chapter 1. Uh, it reads like this. It says, Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. The next verse would go on to say, and Jesse was the father of David, and then it would trace it all the way down to Jesus. I find it interesting that Matthew mentions Rahab. Like, again, why would he do that? Why would he mention this Rahab lady? 
Again, he shouldn't. She's a lady, and he's talking about the men. Uh, that, that she's uh, a Gentile. What does she, why, why is she included in here? Uh, she is a prostitute, or, or at least was a prostitute. Why is, like you would think Matthew, who's trying to set up this whole Jewish history of why Jesus is the Messiah, why would he bring up Rahab? You'd think he'd want to leave her out of the story. But he knows he can't leave her out of the story because her story is so great. Because in it, we see a lady who was rescued because of her faith and redefined because of the way she followed. Uh, maybe you don't know the story. Let me just take a moment and, and let me just tell you her story. Uh, it, it comes about when the Israelites were going into a battle of Jericho. And I'm not going to tell you all about the Battle of Jericho. I actually preached on it about three months ago in our Faith Is series. So you can go and just watch that one if you want. But let's focus on Rahab's part of the story. In this part of the story, what had happened is the Israelites, their leader was Joshua. And they had crossed over the Jordan and they were coming towards Jericho. They were entering into the promised land and they were going to have a battle against this city. Uh, so what Joshua decided to do, what any general, what any commander would do is he sent some spies into the land. And he sent these spies into the land to see what was going on in Jericho, to see what the people were like, uh, to see where their weaknesses were, to, to see how to best attack. And he sent these two men in. And these two men, when they go into Jericho, eventually they find themselves at Rahab's house. Now, you might be like me, and as you're reading scripture, you might go, why were they at Rahab's house? Like, what are these two men doing at a prostitute's house? It's a good question, but I want you to see the military uh, significance of it. That, that, that these men wouldn't be going to Rahab's house because she was a prostitute and they were looking for sexual favors. That's not why they are there, all right? By my opinion, anyway, let me say it this way, because we don't see anything in Scripture. But what we see is that they're there. Why would they be there? Because they're trying to find out what's going on in town. And as they're trying to find out what's going on in town, they're functioning like any other visitor would to town. And so this is what I believe about Rahab. Again, this is my opinion. We don't find this in the text. This is me trying to look at the text and understand the story. That when you look at Rahab's story, I don't believe that she was just a prostitute who was hanging out in Jericho. My guess is she was a prostitute who was probably running a brothel. She was probably using her house to take care of men and to take care of people who were traveling by. Because we know her house was big enough that she could invite her entire family, her mother, her father, her brothers. She could invite her entire family into it. Chances are it was a place that men would pass by, that men would come and find lodging, that men would come and find food, and that they would find sex while they were there. And so these Israelites, these, uh, these spies, when they come into the land, they're functioning in the everyday life of other guys that would be passing through. And while that's happening, the king of Jericho finds out they're there. So he sends some men to, to Rahab's house. When they get to Rahab's house, they ask Rahab, hey, where are these men at? She's like, well, these two men showed up. I didn't know who they were. I sent them on their way. They've left. You should probably go chase them. They've left town. And then once they leave, then we see what Rahab says to these spies. And for this, I want us just to turn to scripture. It says this in Joshua. That's the second chapter. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof. To talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land. 
she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. That, that, and we know what you did uh, to Sion and to Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Look at this last line. For the Lord your God, make sure you see that, not the Lord my God, but the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now there's a whole lot that's in this little section of scripture that I want to unpack. That, that we've got Rahab talking to these spies saying, listen, we're living in fear right now. We're living in terror right now because we know that your God reigns supreme. We know that your God is, is leader of all of the heavens and all of the earth. Like your God is the God in charge. And we know that because we've heard the stories about how the land and the Red Sea dried up when you all crossed over. Now, now in case you don't know, know when this happened, this is not like a month ago. This isn't like her saying, hey, two months ago when y'all crossed the Red Sea, we, we've heard about that. No, this would have happened 40 years earlier. That 40 years earlier, God had moved and she is referencing it now. She is referencing the past. And then she says, and God rescued you from the Amorite kings, uh, that, that he has shown up that way. And now God is going to rescue you from us. Our city has never been destroyed. It has never been defeated. But we are living in fear because of your God. And what she is saying by that is she's saying is your God is in charge. Your God is better than our gods. Your God is better than my gods of the past. So what I'd like to do is place faith in your God. Here's a key. How easy would it have been for Rahab in the midst of those discussions? How easy would it have been for her to say, I know that your God is supreme and I'm a prostitute. I know I won't be welcomed in. I know that you guys are Israelites and, and you, don't, you don't invite people into your family. I know that I've got a past and I'm not one of you, so there's probably no reason for me to even try to help you or try to place my faith in your God. But rather than looking at her past, whose past did she look to? God's. See, there's the difference. That it would have been so easy for, for Rahab to look at her own past and to say, because of my prostitution, because I'm a Gentile, because I worship all these false gods, there's no way your God will invite me in. It would have been so easy for her to look at her past. And unfortunately, I think many times we do the same thing. I think many times we say, well, because of my past, I can't go to church. Because of my past, I can't serve in ministry. Because of my past, God can't use me to do something for him. Because of my past, uh, those, those people won't invite me in. Because of my past, uh, I can't be used by God. That we look at our past, and I think something great that we learn from Rahab is she never even mentions her past. She just focuses, see, the God who rescued you at the Amorites, the God who is going to rescue you now, that's a God I want to place 
faith in, an unknown God who she was willing to take a risk on. Now do me a favor, just press pause right there. Because I got to tell you the rest of the story before I come back to that. See, what happened on the rest of the story is she said that to these spies, and she's basically saying, so I want to be saved. When you all come and fight against Jericho, will, will, will you save me? Will, will, will you let me be a part of, uh, will you let me place faith in your God? And they said, well, here's what we'll do. We'll rescue you. We won't kill you as long as you are in your house. Right? If you're in your house, if your mom, your dad, your brothers, if they're all in your house, you're safe. If you go outside of your house, your blood is on your own head. But as long as you are in your house, we'll rescue you. So then she eventually, she lets them down out of her window using what they call a red rope, a red cord. Then she ties this, this rope onto her window, lets these guys down. And they say, now listen, when we come back, when we fight against you, Again, you have to be in your house. And the only way we're going to know it's your house is if you leave that red rope hanging out your window. If you allow that red rope to define you, that if you allow that red rope to be there, because it's the only way that we're going to know. And she said, okay, I'll leave this red rope hanging out my window and I'll use it so that you know that's where I'm living. Well, sure enough, they go away, they hide for three days, they come back, they go against this whole battle of Jericho, they find the red cord, they say, that's where Rahab lives, you got to save everybody in her house, so they save her, they bring her out, and then they put her outside of the camp. Here's the interesting thing, look at it, it's in Joshua chapter 6, it reads this way, I think it's verse 23, it's a very interesting little text, it says, so the young men who had been spies, went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all of her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. Why did they put them outside the camp? I mean, think about this. She said, I want to be rescued. And she was. She was rescued from destruction because she put faith in God. She was rescued because she had that red rope hanging out her window. And they said, okay, we see where Rahab lives. Let's rescue her. And they rescued her. And then they brought her outside of the camp. They didn't let her in. No, we don't know exactly why they didn't let her in. They might not have let her inside the camp because they're like, well, maybe she is a spy. And maybe this is going to backfire on her. Let's put her outside the camp for a while. Maybe. Maybe they didn't let her inside the camp because she was a Gentile and they had a lot of rules about Gentiles and Jews shouldn't intermix. Probably that direction, but we're not totally for sure. Maybe it's because she's a prostitute. She's sinful. That, that they would say she's dirty, that she's messy. And we, can't, we don't know exactly. We just know she was left outside of the camp. And before I go on, I, I just got to say this. Because I think too many times, we still do that as churches. Too many times, we say, we want you to be rescued, but we just don't know if we want to invite you in. Right? Oh, a little quiet in here. You're like, oh, that's going to hurt if you keep preaching on that one, Josh. Like, like, we want to rescue. We want you to know, Jesus, our doors are open. Come on in. Just don't sit by me. Like, we want you to come on in, but I just don't want you going to my small group. Right? Like, like, like maybe that's happened to you at a church experience in the past. Maybe it's happened to you here. That, that there's an issue that sometimes we'll say, we want you to be rescued, but we don't know if we want to invite you in the family. And what Joshua does, he says, that's not acceptable. 
Throw that verse back up there and you'll see it. Now Josh basically says, this isn't acceptable. He says, but Rahab the prostitute, this is two verses later, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belong to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day. That, that basically Joshua said, oh, I got to meet this Rahab lady. And he meets her and he says, so, so why did you do that? And she said, because I'm placing my faith in your God. Because I've seen everything that your God's in. And Joshua said, well, I don't want you to just be rescued. I want you to be redefined. I want you to be redeemed. I want to invite you into the family. Because the only way you're going to learn to follow our God is to put yourself around God's people. The only way you're going to learn to follow our God is to get inside the tribe and start following the laws of God and the ways of God and the people of God. He's basically saying, I don't want you to just be rescued by your faith. I want you to be redefined by the way that you follow. And again, here's another issue. I think too many times we're okay with being rescued, but we don't know if we really want to follow. Right? Like, I think there's times it will be like, man, I'd love to know Jesus. I just don't want to have to live like Jesus. I want to be saved by Jesus, but I don't want to have to walk like Jesus. And, and, and that doesn't work. I'm just here to tell you this. That doesn't work. Then when you say I want to be rescued because of my faith, then the next part of that is then to be redefined by the way you follow. And, and we see that in Rahab's life. That Rahab, remember, she's a prostitute. Prostitutes are known by the color red. I don't know what they were back then, but I know in today's world, right? You ever heard of anything called the red light districts around the world? Like if you go to Amsterdam, there's a red light district. Basically, if the red light's on, it means a prostitute is working. And I don't know, okay? I'm not even trying to say that they had the red light districts back then. But I find it interesting that what saved Rahab was a red cord hanging out her window. That basically by putting this cord out her window, she was saying, I no longer want to be defined as a prostitute. I want to be redefined by the people of God. I want to be redefined by, the God, by God. That I no longer want to be defined by my old ways, my old life, my old gods, my old uh, sin. I want to be defined by God and by the people of God. So she put that red cord outside of her window, and then when they came, they rescued her. And I can just imagine that on that day that Joshua said, I don't want you outside of the family. I don't want you outside of the tribe. I don't want you outside of the circle. I want you inside of the circle. And no longer are you Rahab the prostitute. Now you're Rahab the redefined. Now you're Rahab the redeemed. Because what we know about Rahab is the rest of her story. That Rahab, eventually she comes into the people of God and she learns how to follow God. And as she learns how to follow God, eventually she meets this guy named Solomon. And they get married and they have a child named Boaz. If you've heard the story of Ruth and Boaz, we only have that story because Rahab was redefined. 
that Rahab and Solomon, they brought us Boaz, and Boaz brought us Obed, and Obed brought Jesse, and Jesse brought David, and David, over the course of the lineage, brought us Jesus. So we have Jesus being born to the family he was born to at the time he was born to because Rahab said, I want to be redefined. I want to be invited in. My challenge to us today is to follow in her footsteps. Maybe the easiest way for me to say it is this, that if you want to be rescued by faith, if you want to be redefined by following, then you need to respond by, like Rahab. Because if you look at Rahab's story, it's all about her response. Again, her past would say, no way they'll accept me. Her past would say, there's no way their God will accept me. But she said, I'm going to take a step of faith in an unknown God. And let's admit it. There's some of you here right now. There's some people watching online right now that you've probably never placed your faith in God. That you've said, man, I, I followed a bunch of other types of gods. I've jumped into a lot of sin. I've got a past. And you've never jumped into a relationship with God. But, but who knows? Who knows that maybe rather than looking at your past, you could look at God's past. And you could see how God's past can save you in the present and do something amazing with you in the future. But that's only going to happen if you respond by taking a step of faith. And get rescued. Because we all have sin. But, but it goes a step further. It wasn't just about Rahab being rescued. It was about Rahab being redefined. And for some of us, today's a day to be redefined. Today's a day to say, I'm no longer going to sit on the outside. I'm no longer going to just attend. I'm no longer just to say, well, it's enough to be in the presence of Jesus. Man, I want to be part of the tribe. I want to be part of the pack. I want to be part of the family. I want to learn how to be a follower of Christ. And to do that, well, you, you got to let yourself be part of the line. Because see, here's kind of the crazy thing that I was just thinking about earlier. That, that Rahab said... I want to be part of that pack. I want to be part of that tribe. So she hung that red cord out. And they rescued her. And because they rescued her in her, in her family lineage, she brought David. And because of David, we get Jesus. that we're able to look at Rahab's lineage. And because she was rescued by faith, because she was redefined, she brings us Jesus. And imagine how this line goes. Imagine how the, the crimson flows. That people are always able to look back at Rahab and see Jesus. 
Now she is a part of that line, but, but it doesn't stop with Jesus. Rahab is part of the picture of Jesus. Rahab is part of Jesus' story because she was rescued and because she was redefined, but it doesn't end there. Because see, if you take that same step and you decide to follow and you decide to be rescued, then you find yourself in the story as well. Do you see it? That it, that it all goes back, right? That we can go back to Rahab and we can go back further than that. We can go all the way back. But we see Jesus through it all. And maybe if you'll take that step to be rescued, maybe if you'll take that step to be a part of the family and learn to follow that you'll find yourself in the same story, which then allows you to maybe add somebody else to the lineage. Maybe allows you to add somebody else to the story because they see Jesus through it all. And that's what I'm inviting you to do today. It's not just to hear a story about some lady thousands of years ago, but I want you to hear a story about a lady who had a past and who used to be defined by that past, but then she redefined it. And now she is known as a follower of Christ and in the lineage of Christ. And this can be you and this can be me. What's it gonna take? Respond. It's gonna take us all responding. It's gonna take us all looking at the crimson thread. It's going to take us looking at the, the crimson thread that, that not just the rope that Rahab hung out her window, but go back to, to Jesus and look at how Jesus hung on the cross and he died so that we could come to life. And we look at that crimson thread and how it saves us. That we allow ourselves to be redefined by following. Maybe you're going to do that today by taking communion, maybe going to a prayer corner, maybe going to the connect corner and praying with somebody. Maybe it's a step of baptism. I don't know your specific response in how you'll do it, but I know our response needs to be to be rescued by placing our faith and to be redefined because we choose to follow. And because Rahab chose to follow, Everything changed, even in our lives. So let's do the same. Let's respond. Let's respond by thanking him for the blood right now. Let's see what he might just do with your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about how to give to God through The Rock, you can find that information on our app or on our website. Another way that you can give to us is simply by subscribing to this podcast, rating it, telling your friends about it. All those things are super helpful. We hope you have a great week.